0: Hey, podcasters, I just wanted to take this opportunity. This is our promo before our main show. I just want to make sure that you are part of our amazing Facebook community. It is for active, creative entrepreneurs and professional business owners from around the globe. It is not one of those spammy, it's all about me type of sales groups. This Facebook group, I actually created it to help build relationships, strong relationships and conversations. But more importantly, you can also plug into some of our special events and get invitations. But it's just a great, great tool. And everyone comes from a place of value, which I absolutely love and endorse. So listen, guys, if you're not already part of our Facebook community, make sure that you go to www.facebook.com, okay? Forward slash groups, forward slash become a game changer, all right? Uh, I'll ask you for a few questions and make sure that you do that right now. Pause this audio, okay? Uh, Go to the Facebook group and uh, introduce yourself and look forward to seeing you in there. Take care, bye.
1: This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong
0: hello everybody and welcome to the game changers experience podcast with myself adam strong and today we have on the show james roberts who is and now let me just give you a little bit of a backstory about what james is because james was born with a congenital disability called femoral dysplasia which is basically means that the femur bone has not grown uh so it's a birth defect by by trade and um we're going to be talking about some of his uh his disability and his limiting beliefs but he's also a former um Olympian, elite paralympian who's represented great britain on two occasions which we'll talk about as well and uh and also represented gb at the world championships as well on four occasions as well and uh is now a sports performance and nutrition coach so james just want to say welcome to the show thank you very much Adam, and thanks for the introduction Awesome. So um, interesting because I know that you've got this disability as such, right? And it, I mean, I've, I've inter- we interviewed uh, a couple of Paralympians on the show as well, we, and you know, we all have, they all have their own, I suppose, disabilities or handicaps or whatever it is that you want to call it or whatever it is. But I'd like to ask you a really interesting question: What were the struggles for you when? Which which faced you when when you were having this disability when you were growing up? Well, what were the kind of uh, struggles that you were faced with?
1: That's a good question.
0: I think Adam, for me, they seem such mundane uh,
1: tasks now, but I would talk of a story of just going to be able to go on the monkey bars with my with my friends, uh, running up the slide non-health uh, health and safety uh, <laughs> to, the, to that to now but obviously those things I wanted to overcome because it seems so simple now as an adult but they were a massive hurdle to overcome as as a six, seven, eight, at a push maybe say 10, 11 year old and ultimately my mum was watching me in the playground one afternoon Uh, I don't know why she happened to be there uh, in her lunch break, but she tells me the story uh, of me sitting on the side watching my friends and my peers playing around on the monkey bars, but you could see the the cogs moving in my head as how am I going to overcome this struggle and to be able to do something that the others guys are taking uh, not for granted, but ultimately they don't have the as much as the difficulties that I faced and still do to this day of they've got, well, they've got the use of all their limbs. So ultimately in the space of probably two to three days, I'd accomplished getting on the monkey bars. And ultimately now as I speak like that, that's not a difficult task. Mm-hmm. Uh, running up a slide probably took a little bit longer, but once I did it, it was a massive accomplishment. Uh, did I put massive amounts of holes in my in my clothing? I don't remember if I did, but
0: ultimately
1: it was a sacrifice I was willing to make. Interesting.
0: Because I read, I think it was, I read somewhere actually when, and it talks a little bit about when you were growing up as a teenager, because teenage times can be extremely challenging, especially when you're going through changes, you know, in your body mentality and things like that. Was there anything that really uh, stood out for you in your teenage years with regards to, um, I suppose, um, accepting your disability?
1: That was probably the most testing time of, of my entire life, if I'm honest. Because, as you as you mentioned, it's testing times for anybody. Uh, I think, especially for me, it was trying to see where I fitted in within society, uh, social groups. Um. T- High school, because I grew up in a a military environment, I was in the American school there. So it's very, if you look at films or movies, it's normally quite clicky. You've got your, your jocks, you've got your geeks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Those kind of social circles. I was kind of living in that kind of social bubble. It didn't exist in my school because there was overlaps where it took me until my final year in high school to realise that. It's like you can be smart and also sporty. Uh, obviously, I, I'd learned the hard way. It was too late to really have an impact on my grades. I did, pretty, I did pretty well anyway, but I didn't probably push the boundaries when it came to academia. I could have done a lot better than I did. But that's not a regret because that was a choice I was willing to make in terms of the sport being more the vehicle for success. But then coming back to your initial question, Adam, so I don't go off on a tangent. I think with me, uh, the disability of dealing, the difficulty sorry of dealing with the disability as a teenager, I think was a hard one because ultimately. In a sporting setting, I would be very comfortable to wear shorts or have the leg on show, or not even be wearing my prosthetic because I was I was swimming in those days. But when it came to be in the classroom, and as the American, your American listeners and Canadian listeners, and to, to a certain extent, maybe the Australians that a push don't have to wear a school uniform, so they're not they're not deemed as the same or or, or robotic esque, if I use that term, I. Would use it as a way of masquerading it or hiding it because, okay, I'm going to presume I'm going to be judged in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And it took probably being a little bit reflective and thinking, well, who does it impact more, everybody else Mm. or me, when it comes to overheating and, you know, sweating and being very uncomfortable? And I thought to myself, well, I've got a problem with this and this needs to change. But that is a pretty easy and dr- drastic change to be able to make versus maybe something, something more, more complicated.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> you know, I, I actually talked a little bit about some of the changes that I went through similar to you actually, you know, kind of in the, what I called the changes or uh, the teenage changes and uh, whatever it is of, Losing hair to alopecia, which is again, which is interesting because we create these, I suppose, false judgments, right? Of trying to compare ourselves to what society makes us up to be. But where these judgments come from is that they just are made up in our heads, aren't they?
1: Well, it's a story that you're telling yourself, and it's it's not, uh, um, and um, it's a, and I'll bring it to the table. It came apparent, and we were discussing about this with my group collective of coaches on Tuesday mm. Mm. of this week, and and he was talking about the cause and effect. So you've got obviously the facts, which nobody actually they they deem they put the story as factual, and then there's the the, the, the effects after that. But obviously, if you were to write down what actually truly happened in one in one circle the story that you've told yourself, like be it, I don't know uh, what story after the fact has that cause and then the effects of the story. Mm. And then, and then obviously you can run from that. So that, so so I will probably be delving deep into my life in terms of that, those three, I wouldn't even know how you call those bubbles of, of of, of thought provoking content Mm. and kind of say, well, that's not really. It's not. That's not really the story. The fact is this: mm. this is the story that you've taken from this event, and this is what you've done after. So a lot there'll be some. Some people will get some through shocking truths of of what I've done throughout my life to deal with things um, mm-hmm. with that because ultimately it's still probably a block that I make, that I experience in my adult life. It's like well. Ultimately, I need to speak to that family member first and get and say, well, are you all right that I bring this to the table? And if they say yes, I'll go ahead and do it. If they say no, obviously we'll have a conversation and go a little bit, okay, why? Sure. And then go from there.
0: Interesting. Did you, um, you know, and it's interesting, you know, because I've read quite a lot about your struggles and the, the whole kind of disability and stuff like that. How did sport or why did you choose sport? What was it that sport attracted you to get into, you know, I know you started off in swimming, then you made a transition into rowing and, and then you made a transition into volleyball. What is it that was it, what was it about sport that you really enjoyed and and what did it give you?
1: I think it, I think it goes, but it goes both ways. I think because of the environment that I grew up in, and the people that I surrounded myself with, it was only natural that I made mm. that progression into sport. Uh, I think uh, I have probably obsessed as a kid with, with watching it, uh, trying to be engaged as best as I could. Uh, mm. Obviously, I knew my limitations um, with the disability. So i probably used that to my advantage as I got more wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt I don't need to put as much work in as everybody else you Can't take advantage of it in for you, mm. uh, but I think to answer your question, how, do I, how did it kind of transpire? Um, we were always looking for sports where I could succeed or or progress. I, I the, the very, very first sport I did was uh karate, but I was probably very indisciplined and not listening. Um, I interviewed somebody yesterday for my show, said something very similar in terms of it was too quiet. Maybe it was just too um, too still, and then you obviously it's, you're told not to take anything that you learn mm. and then use it in, in the street. Um, maybe it was not uh, as... Engaging, so I finished with a white belt. So that's probably the first aspect of quote unquote failure because you would want to progress up the ranks with, with, with your, your well, your DANs and all your belts. Sure. Uh, I moved on next to coming back to my point with being heavily involved around with Americans on, on the base. I went to, into 10 pin bowl and I did that for from the age of 10 till I was 13. And then I had to choose because ultimately I couldn't do both because we'd have sw- swim meets on the weekend and have the bowling league on the weekend as well. So I, I went with swimming um, and then obviously the rest is history into making the national program uh, within GB, of mm. our development program, what it's called now, within the space of about 18 months. So it was like mm. a very meteoric rise, but it was... A coach of mine uh, on the base who'd asked me at 15, I think I was, "What's your thoughts about doing disability support?" And I was taken aback. And we were talking about this just yesterday. What uh, was was her intentions honourable, or were they like society? Why don't you put yourself in? The... So, so it's a difficult one because ultimately, I don't know. I'm I'm going to have to take it was with a sincerity in terms of you are doing it for the right reasons. And I, I I messaged her son a couple of weeks ago to say, thank you for Mm. putting me into that position. Uh, Did I know nearly 20 years on what success I would have had over that 10 years uh, going from being a 16 year old till I retired at 27, Mm -hmm. probably not, but You've put me in a position to start the ball rolling, and like I've said, within eighteen months, I was in our national setup. Um, I, I very had very much a supportive family. Mm. Uh, went it would be that summer of two thousand two, came back over here to watch the Commonwealth in Manchester,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: that's kind of what really sprung with my career into into you know fifth gear in terms of we're going somewhere. Because uh, once the swimming session had finished, my mum went down to the bottom of the uh, stat was a, a makeshift stand in, in the aquatic centre in, in Manchester and shouted over, "Is there any anybody there from the Welsh delegation that I could speak to?" Uh, the head coach, the then head coach, came across, spoke to us. Obviously, I was yeah, I was sixteen by that time. I'd started swimming at 11. He said it was, you started too late in your career. Okay. (laughs) I took that personally because like, well, I'm going to prove you wrong that I don't have to start at six, seven, eight years old. Mm. Uh, This coach is no longer with us, but he died. He did after dinner speeches on that story alone that I've been the anomaly to when it came to swimming. It's I'm not going to take no for an answer. You said it's not it's not it's not possible. Okay. Watch me.
0: (laughs) I love that attitude, that can that can do attitude of, you know, it's like someone else is putting a limiting belief on you, right? Because the way that they have, I don't know, maybe trained other athletes and they started like like you mentioned. At the age of six, seven or eight or whatever it might be. Do you know what I mean? So they've kind of created this condition, but then that condition, they have kind of rubbed them on yourself and then you, and you're like, and then you give them the, the resistance, which I kind of love that, which is kind of cool. But I want to talk about actually limiting beliefs, because did you ever create limiting beliefs, you know, whether it be in your athletic career or, you know, just life in general when, and how did that really affect your mindset?
1: Ooh, that's a great question, Adam. I'm trying to think of ones inside sport because then that would be slightly different and it's, it's something that's exclusive to you. Sure. Um, within sport, limiting belief, swimming probably, because ultimately uh, all my coaches would say, and this is uh, crawl or freestyle, however you want to, to define it. Right. And mine always look nice on, on the surface level, nice and pretty, but not very effective uh so ultimately if 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 I would have been allowed to to progress after I was dropped which my then coach wanted to do anyway I was a little bit hesitant anyway because it's like well I've I've fallen by the wayside I I don't feel it right to take up your time um so he wanted to go back to basics with with most of my strokes and and break it down to the raw thing and then build it back up. Mm. Uh, I jumped in the pool probably the first time, oh, about two years ago. And I hadn't been in, I was, I had set foot in a swimming pool for a push, we're taking a good eight years. Wow. So it, I, I, I don't know what it was. It was because it was the day-to-day grind for from the age of eleven till I was nineteen, mm. I probably probably hated the sight of a swimming pool. But even even to even to do anything, you know, um, family orientated. It's like, no, I don't. I don't want a swimming pool at the hotel. Mm. Um, I, I I don't. I don't, I, I don't know what it was. I guess because of possible anim- animosity towards myself where well, you hadn't quite accomplished the goals that you set out as the first sport you did so mm-hmm. I will not say the parallels was the, par- the, par- the be all and end all but that was kind of my aspirations when I once I'd made it into our development team it's so, like okay this is a reality I'm, I'm kind of mm-hmm. progressing up the rungs of the ladder
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then it to be cut short and kind of cut down mm-hmm. It, not, it wasn't soul-destroying because it happened, it almost happened the year before. Mm. And I thought, well, unbeknownst to myself, obviously, the conversation behind the scenes with my mother and, my, and our performance director at Disability Sport Wales, because I thought, oh, I'm just going to, once I come home uh, at Christmas in 2005, in my first year of uni, Oh, I'll be going go back in the new year as, as a student, just like everybody else.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I'd had a phone call with him, probably in the le- the run-up of that last week of term. And he'd asked me, what's your thoughts about doing rowing? I was like, okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm interested. This is where the limiting belief actually comes in, I think. Sure. Is, let me have a discussion with my phone. Fo- I've, got, I've got to get permission first I I think from somebody else then okay let's go with this so I I rang up my mother who we're very very close with uh Mm -hmm. still this day and asked her, what's your thoughts about me doing this and she said well and you'll like this Adam can be very and and she says she swears adamantly she didn't say it this way I I (laughs) how I remember it (laughs) you can be very very good Or absolutely useless. But the absolutely useless I never saw as a negative. It was, okay, I can be good at this sport or I could be crap, but we'll go and do something else if that was the case. And ultimately, for me, that wasn't the case. It was Mm -hmm. somehow, some way, I was just a natural at that sport. I I picked it up on land within the space of... Mm. Fifteen minutes to half an hour, like all the technical. The, the, the it's not that technical versus some of the other sports I've done, but it is fairly difficult to pick up the skill of a feather in the blade. Because mm. uh, my teammate, who I rode with for three seasons,
0: mm-hmm.
1: couldn't pick it up straight away. But I guess when it came to you know, the dexterity of something like that yeah. and kind of using the kinesthetic uh, process of learning. Okay, you've shown me how to do it. Let me try it. Oof. So it was kind of a very rapid rise to to go and to try it to an hour later, oh, let's go in the water. It's like, mm. <laughs> I was not think I was going to go that quickly, but I, I did it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And Obviously, the the rest is history. The rest is history, and that was probably my most enjoyable part of my career. I enjoyed it. Obviously, very very successful, which it helps. But that's probably the one that I missed the most of the athletic career uh, versus maybe swimming or, or volleyball. Mm.
0: Interesting, because I mean, you know, listening to you very attentively it sounded to me like you really wasn't scared of trying new things and like your mum really encouraged that, didn't she? And, 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 you know, and there's a lot of our listeners, which are a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs and some, some, some of them are scared, right. Of maybe making mistakes or, you know, failing and that kind of stuff. But what, what I admire about you is that you've essentially taken something and thought, okay, well maybe this isn't right for me. Let's try something new you know, and I, and I admire that in people. I, I really do. I think it's great. Um, well, I was going to say to you actually, you know, being a double Paralympian, cause you represented GB in Beijing 2008 and also London 2012, which must've been a, um, a great, I suppose, one of the greatest moments in your life, you know, being able to represent your own country in having the Olympics in your own country, right. Which is kind of a wow factor. What would you say from your perspective, what do you think are some of the success mindset hacks that you have developed in, in in I suppose, not just transitioning from one sport to another, because that's what you've done, um, but what would you say is some of the things that you've developed over time that's given you this kind of, I suppose, winning mentality?
1: I wouldn't say they're hacks, because ultimately it's – but it's a mindset that you don't really look at the negativity and you bringing up a, a point in point that business owners and entrepreneurs have this fear of rejection and say, mm-hmm. I, 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 I struggled with that when I went into, into business because, yeah. and I'll be honest mm-hmm. with people, a lot of these things, I have to remind myself that you've got the set to do this. You, you, you've tried and Failed. You've trialed and succeeded, and you've tried and done it anyway. So ultimately, you've done all three, Mm. and you thought nothing of it. It's like because of, and this is where I've had to take a reality check in terms of I've I've deemed that I've done it myself. That's ridiculous. I've had family, uh, my performance director in the background, Mm. having those. You know, even if there were subtle nudges, it's like you can do this. Uh, I talk of a story of my swimming coach that we were talking about. Once I had made the games in Beijing, he said to me, the first thing he said to me when he saw me out there was, You've now fulfilled your potential that I saw you with you that you had in swimming. It's like okay. And I took that on board and ran with it with my rowing career and ultimately nothing nothing was good. To... I had the setback of of obviously losing the final trial before selection in for Beijing Mm. but I had to make the ultimate decision of I was kind of given an ultimatum for that you either move up to Caversham so the Reading area I become full-time and you come under our guidance or we go with the other person so I was willing to kind of completely bin off my university even though we're almost at the end of the year this is about Easter time so a lot of people are very... I think my family, when I told them that, they were very shocked. It's like, James, you can't do that. Because what happens if you, don't, if you don't do it, you've got no backup. Mm. Uh, so unbeknownst to me, in the behind-the-scenes sport, Wales and Swansea University were studying at the time, were in dialogues to, okay, what can we allow James to be able to do so we can obviously do, aspire to the pinnacle within Olympic or Paralympic sport? Um, so I'm one of the very much advocates of, you know, even marketing the university. It's no big deal. Okay, it's not the university as a whole, but it's like my sports science department that has allowed me to, a sense up sticks and move about 100 150 miles away from the university and do it remotely and just mm. come back for I think a group presentation and my exams and that was it, um, and. Well, obviously the first year for my degree doesn't count anyway, but I returned that sense of dedication that it showed me. Okay, I'm going to do it and show that. I think I ended with a 70% pass rate, which is the first in in the first year. But I always look to give back where I can. So if there's something nostalgic that will come up, Uh, which has happened quite a lot in the last couple of days because it's around about this time that the games would be happening uh, or a little bit later, okay, London, we'll share it. Um, If I've done a feature in one of the university magazines, share it, tag them in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And ultimately, um, I got sent the alumni magazine for Swansea a couple of weeks ago, and it's their centenary year I'm featured in it. But what I did wrong is I skimmed through it. I was very excited because I've seen it. And then got annoyed, I'm not in it. And I had one of my lecturers should be me on LinkedIn. She got it a bit later. Oh, you're in it. A few minutes later, uh, a classmate of mine, oh, you're in it. Okay, what page? And I felt awful. I'm thinking I passed judgment straight away because of... Well, everybody's in there from Olympians to you name it. Uh, there's a few people that I'm quite surprised. I've probably not looked hard enough, but it's nice to be recognized in like hundred years of university because there's probably like hundreds of people sure. that they could have added in there. Um, and then there's people that have, have not not been in. So there's, there's different people within society, people. Uh, there's even the founder of Starling Bank. that actually, I didn't know this, that we've gone to that university. There's quite a lot of different people within different industries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and con- con- they've got their own social media. Um, I-, I call it a bit like LinkedIn, but it's for the university. So That's I'm nice. utilizing that to make connections uh, as well for, for, for business purposes. Sure. But coming back to your point that you talked about, hacks with, with, mindset, I think because of it being such a positive environment, you never, you don't really second guess your doubts. You'll be okay. Mm. It's come up. Let me not dwell on that because I don't want it to become a reality. Mm. Uh, and I was asked once I'd make made the team for, for, for Beijing and this was about hundred days out. And the, my teammate asked, but she's obviously no longer with us. She said, well, why not? Why not so excited? And this is where the pessimism comes in with the family. It's hundred days to go. Anything can go wrong. So I want to be put in the work day in, day out. And I think the only t- time that the excitement actually really hit in for me, Adam, was the day we were flying out. It's like, oh, it's it's finally come. Uh, I had an bit of an argument anyway with a family member uh, my uncle I think that's like well, I'm ready to I'm ready to leave the UK now I'm I'm ready to go to Heathrow uh and fly out to, to to Beijing but I think that's when I was really excited was getting to the airport it's like well this is a reality now sure and in a couple of hours I'll be in China so mm-hmm. it, it, that's probably when it hit home but nice. the mental hacks themselves. Not re not really I think the support that I had around me mm. would I think cultivate some of that if I, if I was down in the in the doldrums it would be that would be the lot of the pickup so a lot of those things I probably had to learn after sport to be able to facilitate adversity because no I was, I was lucky it was never something that I had to deal with. Or the rare occasion that I had to use external motivation, that mm. was the kick up the ass. It would Makes be. Makes sense. It was more those things that was probably more external than me creating it. But I think now that I'm in business, I can't use external motivators to to motivate <sighs> me because that's that's me trying to use my contemporaries or comparison to get the best out of me and ultimately that's not going to serve you any good because if you start comparing yourself most of the time it's going to go the wrong way because it'll be what well, why did I not have that success and that everybody knows that's a downward spiral from there and that's something I've had to learn to be more internal with my motivation. If I do compare it will be okay how did they get that okay let's park that they don't exist. How do I re-en- re-engineer that back for me, from where they're at to where I'm at, and what are the things I need to implement to be able to do that? And that—that's probably where competition comes in. It's like, well, okay, I've liked what you've got. Now let me do the same thing and then surpass it.
0: Makes sense. going to. Um, so basically, what you're saying is, get yourself a, a good team, surround yourself, and surround yourself with the right people with the right environment that's going to basically give you the platform to in, to help you propel and move you forward for success, correct? Yeah,
1: that's what I, that's what, what that, the, the saying goes, surround yourself by the five influential people, be it if you want to become rich, surround yourself with richer people.
0: Exactly. I say it all the time to all my fellow peers and uh, my fans out there, right? You know, Surround yourself with who you become. Um, I was going to say to you, this is a, a I, I really thought about this question and, and I, and, and I'm hoping that you're going to give me a fantastic answer. I know you will anyway, but I'm a big believer in of getting into the zone. Right. And, um, uh, you know, and, and, and kind of say conditioning yourself right whether it be for in your athletic career you must have got into the zone many times to condition yourself to for an event or whatever it might be what does the zone mean to you and how did you practice to get into the zone
1: Oof. trying to give you a good answer now Adam um, for me <laughs> the, to get into the zone in the athletic sense would probably be music was very influential because I and. I, I I try and listen to it now and you think gosh that's some angry music but ultimately that's kind of the energy you would use with, in sport it's very dark if you were to explain it to somebody outside of that environment because you're trying to become a different persona or a different character than you might be in your day to day life ultimately some people are very very Virtually, that's they're one and the same. You know the egotistical athletes that probably the the alpha, the alpha. I won't call them alpha males. The alpha alphas of sport. You know the Michael Jones, the Kobe Bryant's.
0: Yeah.
1: I would say the outlier would that probably be the same Bob because he was very charismatic, and that would be intimidating to his peers. How can you be that relaxed and then go and produce some of these? world record feats but i think with me to get in the zone it would be to do music i would people sometimes i prefer not to be uh, and then to psych myself up. But, but, but i think because cause i came from an individual sport that was mm. swimming yeah i did like the solace and then when i came into a, a crew environment with rowing I had to compromise a little bit. It's with another individual, sure. So it, you've got to be able to to communicate communicate better. I think I once I once I got to my last season with in the program, I probably got. Better. I was very good at that. But I was the most. I was the more established figure in the boat by then because I'd done uh, two thousand six, two thousand seven World Championships, uh, the 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 Paralympics in Beijing. And that was their first, the the other crew member that came in, Mm -hmm. that was their first season. So I was the senior figure and we did have a discussion with the coach that, well, should I not go in the stroke seat because i got the experience and blah, blah, blah. But he said, well, let's use your experience a different way and do it that and you'd be in the bow seat. So I obviously went went to the coach to say, well, could we not try it this way to see what happens? Sure. Ultimately, he said he said no. I respected that and uh, went about away. We were quite we were very, very, very successful that season. I'd had my probably worst race of my career by being left on the start line to win in that race. Wow. In like a split, split. we'd gone from I didn't make the mistake, so it's not it's not <laughs> so bad. Uh, she caught a massive crab, which is you don't actually connect properly with the water. Stopped the, the boat dead in the water, and we were left for dead. But within the space of say two hundred meters, we were first. We were in the first, and we walked it uh, the rest wow. of the way. Wow. Uh, and uh, the team manager said to us once we came off the water, "I've never seen a British crew do that to a field so quickly and so ruthless. I've never been in that position, being in the shoe being on the other foot." That the crew rode through you so easily mm. and it probably, it's probably soul-destroying. Um, mm. I end up losing to that. Uh I'll, I'll share you, I'll, I'll tag you in a picture where I do it because I had my arm around him. So that must be, that probably very irked him and seeing that on social media probably motivate him because uh, they ended up finishing in the bronze medal at the Worlds and we finished fifth. But with that said, um, Obviously, the the, the person in question, she had a disability where the uh, hip socket would dislocate. Ah. And she'd done that in the run-up to the world champs and was out the boat for two months. So I'd done a lot of the training by myself. So it was very much probably hit and miss whether or not we were going to compete in 2009. Mm -hmm. So we used the the rounds as to try and get better as we went through the championships or the heats. Very raw and very rough around the edges. Uh, the cohesion wasn't there. Um, it probably like as if you've thrown a, a scratch crew together and away you go. It wasn't as bad as that, but pretty close. I had to go through the reprochage, progress into the final. And if we'd probably had another round, we probably would have done a little bit better. So ultimately, I think halfway through the race, she said to me, oh, I feel like my hip's going to dislocate. It actually doesn't need the reverse. It it, it clicked back in. Mm. But, okay, I'm not going to, I'm going to back off because I, I want to safeguard my back for life after sport. Sure. Uh, but then, w- when it came time to watch in the race back on television, when we got back to the UK, it was soul destroying because we were in the, mi- in the mix with the medals. And I'm thinking... There was no grudges or resentment. It's like, oh, for f- like, <laughs> like oh. it's like oh, for fuck's sake! It's like I could see that we were there, thereabouts, like third, fourth, sure, but silver and gold wasn't that far away, sure. Because you're told not to literally turn all the way around because you you definitely stood on the boat, uh, and I was wearing one of these external people. To look out a lot. Um, So I get in trouble occasionally. If you kept your head straight, Jims, you'd you'd, you'd have done a little bit better. It's like, well, I'm trying to gauge where everything is because periphery wise, you can't see the markers. Yes, you can see the boys change color, but I need to know where everybody else is in retrospect of me. It's probably back to swimming days of, of, you know, you're always looking underwater where where people are, uh, that crew that ended up winning it caught a massive crab. And when you're at full pelt, it's even more um, disruptive to the boat flow. So I think if we'd have been, this is hindsight now, and, and I know people will, will gripe about it a little bit, but I think if we don't have that setback of two months of not being together in, in, in the run-up to... The, to the World Cup, Ch- I think we capitalized on that. if the crew, with the Ukrainian crew, was to make that mistake with us, and we'd have been flying like we did at the earlier season in the World Cup. He's mm-hmm. been thank you very much. Now we're going to close the door, and you need to catch us. So it be so it's 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 difficult because a lot of those things could have been avoidable.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yes, I could have probably listened to a little bit more in training, kind of say, oh, it's not quite right. Okay, let's call it a day on the water. And you rest and ultimately I would still have to have done the mileage, but on the rowing machine. Mm. Uh, and I probably didn't want to do that because I hate the machine anyway, and I still do now. Um, so I think if I was to be reflective and be a little bit wiser in my 30s than I was in my 20s, I probably would have listened and said, okay, you need to come off the water. That's fine. Let's do it for the long-term game instead of the short-term uh, which Paralympic sport does more than the Olympics. It's not we're not gonna flog a dead horse and push you to red line all the time. We'll do it. But we haven't got as many athletes to call upon if something goes wrong. Mm. So I probably should have listened more and maybe not been as ruthless an athlete, knowing it was my last championships and wanted to ride off on that on that white horse with a gold medal. Because that's the, probably the only reason I came back was, well, let's get your medal and you've got something to show for your four years in the program. And probably for me, it was probably gold or bust.
0: Mm. But do you, I feel like from this conversation, it's not that um, you put, I, mean, I know a lot of athletes put a lot of pressure on themselves, right? And kind of these expectations that might not work out things to be and, and whatever it is I mean do you do you feel like you know you have this kind of unfinished business and that you'd like to kind of I suppose jump into a time machine and, and rewind the time and and, and, <laughs> and crack on I suppose um
1: i would say yes and no because family did ask me a while back and this was before the pandemic sure. would you do it all over again yeah I was like yes but I would change a lot of things that I didn't mm-hmm. Choices wise, and, and see what happened. Ultimately, it could transparency something have go worse? But no, I think this this the mindset of that you talk of, Adam. I think it's trying to do that into business. It's it, it's trying to put it into. I use uh, Donny Boyvin's quote that he, he did for for my my podcast. It's it's just a different swimming pool. You're okay. jumping into a different the skill the skill sets that you can take from one to the other, to you, a lot of them can, can transfer. Yeah. And because of the negative perception that competition has, and a lot of people said to me that that's something that needs to go. It's like, well, no, it doesn't. It's comparison that needs to go. Competition is not a bad thing because... Ultimately, if it keeps me on the straight and narrow, which sport did, and I I didn't do, I didn't drink, I didn't smoke, I didn't do any drugs and things like that. I think as a teenager, I was very disciplined, and and be it some things, I maybe I'm too robotic, and it could almost be like it's automation, but it's me behind the scenes. Sometimes I've definitely getting better at this. I've got to be a little bit more emotive with people. It's not creating conflict for the sake of it, to so just to win an argument based on their their health mm-hmm. because I deem that I'm right and you were wrong. If you're not ready to do that, that's, that's okay. It's that's cool. that, I need to accept that. Whereas the mindset of sports that we talk about, ultimately that's probably why some of it is there, the mm-hmm. resistance, because I don't need to convince anybody to do that. No.
0: I've got, um, I was going to say, um, I've got one final question I want to ask you actually. Um, sort of a, a really quick answer. I know that there's in us athletes, we are extremely hard on ourselves, you know, to aspire to become better and be better. And I noticed, especially with a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of our listeners, you know, they ha- also, some of them are extremely hard on themselves, right? And, and there's a common, pattern or a common trait I suppose between uh, the the two different types of people how important is it to celebrate your wins and uh, how do you celebrate
1: that's that's an amazing question to end on Adam Um, for me it's been more of a learning curve because the athlete doesn't do it it's okay if I win the big thing let's make a big deal about it but ultimately you don't you don't you don't congratulate or pat yourself on the back for you know accomplishing a difficult split or a difficult training session. It's like psh, okay, it's it's part and parcel. Of what we've got I do? Uh, even if it's like a training camp, this this two three weeks are going to be hard. Let me take it day by day. You know, I I I didn't even celebrate. You know, overcoming some of those and that is those are brutal. Mm. But I think where I've learned, with having the right support, within business, to celebrate. You know, even the smallest win I still struggle a little bit with that because it's like well it's little it's insignificant coming back to the you know the, the bigger picture mm. of sport versus this little micro dot but I'm learning it's like because it gives you you know that little cha- chance to puff out your chest and I'm the big I am uh, even if it's in your own house uh, my co- business co- mental talks about you know dancing around the house if you' signed a new client or something like that it's gonna bring bring you i don't do it, but it to just talk about your win to a family member or something it brings it into reality. Oh I've just done that, okay, I like that experience, I want to do it again, and ultimately it makes the slog of entrepreneurship and business more enjoyable
0: yeah absolutely no no and i agree i think um i struggled for many years actually uh you know you know when you just go into a a zone of just do 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 and not looking back and thinking i haven't really achieved anything even if it is even if i think it's insignificant but to others it might be like wow you've kind of jumped leaps and bounds compared to where you were type of thing and i just kind of found that kind of fascinating but listen i just want to say uh, really enjoyed our show today and, and, and thank you so much for today. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's been great to have you. So I hope you've enjoyed it.
1: Oh, I really enjoyed it and love sharing what well, different little nuggets and some little exclusive exp- for your audience.
0: Definitely. So guys, listen, um, what I was going to say? If you are interested, feel free to reach out to uh, James on his social media and you can click on um, uh, James social media on the links below. Uh, if you do connect with him on social media, just mention the Game Changers Experience podcast, uh, just so that he knows that where you've come from type of thing. So that'd be great. And, um, you know, connect with him on his website, etc. So listen, I hope that you've been thoroughly enjoyed uh, today's show as much as I've enjoyed um, doing it. Um, and also the other thing I was going to mention to you guys as well, if you love our shows and you love what Game Changers Experience is all about, uh, feel free to leave a five-star review on whatever platform you decide to listen to this on. So have a fantastic day, week, month, year, whenever you listen to this, have a fantastic day. See you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, you guys. I just want to say thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the Game Changers experience. I hope that you got some amazing value, some great insights,